0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Tony Manini. He's the CEO at Asia Met Resources, a corporate developer with assets in Indonesia. They've had a few troubles recently with a, an SPA. He talks us through that. Uh, we eventually get around to talking about the asset and how they intend to move forward from their current. Feasibility study funded uh, 10 million pounds recently, so that should enable them to get through their final investment decision. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the company, the conversation today, uh, and indeed, uh, Tiny, you can find that at crossinvestor.com forward slash club. You can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world and a variety of companies. And commodities, including the whole EV thematic. We've got training courses to help you with your diligence process. We've got summaries of all the interviews that we've done to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But most excitingly, there's a wonderful, thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from judgment, trolling, and abuse. Um, go and join them. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. That's at cruxinvestor.com/slash-club. Tony, how are you, sir? Yeah, good. Thanks, Matthew.
1: Good to catch up at long last. It's been a while.
0: At long last, at long last. Yes, indeed. So where in the world are you? Uh, in Melbourne, Australia. We're my home. Um, I've been here for about 18 months now.
1: <laughs> Not been able to move uh, like most people, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, we're just uh, coming to the end of the week here and it's
0: uh, reasonably nice weather as it usually is in Australia. Fantastic. Well, you you guys have been pretty good on the COVID front, so you know, you know. So I I wouldn't uh, complain too much because you guys have got a bit of freedom that we don't over here. But I'm I'm intrigued by the weekend. Have you you been given your never to do list by the wife?
1: Well, you know, my wife's uh, actually away having a good time uh, in the warm, sunny Queensland this next few days. So dad's got home duties, and uh, home duties involve horses. So, dad's busy on the weekend carting girls and horses around the countryside. So, that's, that's my weekend already accounted for.
0: Tony, I, I know, I feel the pain. I, to, I do have to do the same thing. I get given a list every Saturday morning and sit right, get on with it. I used to be in control of this family once upon a time. Once upon a time. We we better stick to what something uh, we know we know something about which is uh, mining. So look, I appreciate we've not um, you know dug into the you've not been on the show before because the Asia Met Resources story. Keen to hear. it. We've had a lot of requests to have you on, Um, but before we do, give me a one minute overview of the business for people who haven't heard it before, and then I'll pick it up from there with some questions. Okay?
1: Yeah, no worries. So Asia Met's uh, an a a, obviously name listed. Copper Explorer. Um, our two projects are in Indonesia. One of those projects has uh, had a feasibility study completed on it for a twenty-five thousand ton per annum uh, heat leach uh, copper development, and the other is a large uh, porphyry copper project, large copper inventory, um, which is at concept stage, um, ready to 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 the next step. So. Large industry, three million tons of contained copper in the ground. One project ready to to go into development, and the other um, a big growth option.
0: Um, thanks for that summary. Um, I appreciate that. I bet you thought twenty twenty was a tough year, but twenty twenty one, out of the gate, Q one uh, been worse for you, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, look, it didn't start off uh, as we as we would have liked, uh, Matthew, with the the uh, deal with the Turnham falling over, um, you know, very early in the year. But look the the flip side to that is that um the copper price you know is circa four dollars a pound and we haven't had that for you know five years so the macro environment is very much uh in our favor and the tailwinds are behind us at a time uh where we've had a bit of a hiccup uh you have hiccups along the way with mining projects but um didn't start off well but we're in good space now
0: Okay, so tell me why you say that because I I need to understand what happened there. Were the lessons to be learned, or is it just a you know matter of course? That's what happens in mining. That's the way people behave. So, what was the deal you were hoping to transact? I know there's an SPA. What happened?
1: Yeah. So look, we um, it was always our intention to bring in a development partner um, post feasibility study to put the equity piece together to to fund the 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 development of the project. we uh, did a deal with the Ternum Energy, as you said, signed a binding SPA. Uh, that was essentially to vend our project into a listing on the Indonesian exchange. We were going to hold circa 22.5%, 23% of that uh, new listing, and they were going to pay us um, fifty million dollars uh, of upfront payments. Um, and then... Uh, another payment at the time of the at the IPO and then we would retain our interest so i'd valued the entire deal at about 163 million dollars circa so that was that was um, you know what we put together uh, as you said the deal fell over um, in uh, early in the year um, that was essentially we had a 10 million dollars of upfront uh, payments to be made those payments weren't made by a turnum um, we we gave them some extensions. Uh, they still weren't forthcoming. They tried to retrade the deal on terms which were very unfavourable to the company and its shareholders. And so we subsequently were left with no option but to, to terminate that 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 agreement.
0: Right. So you gave you gave them extensions on these upfront payments. I think it was two and a half initially, and then up, you know up, up to ten. What what? Yep. How unfavourable were the revised proposals from them?
1: Uh, look, they, look, they were unfavourable, not not necessarily in terms of the quantums, but the way that it was structured. So just to put a bit of colour around that, they essentially wanted to drip feed us in terms of our uh, working capital through to the point of the IPO, and then they would pay us at the point of the IPO. Obviously, by doing that, we would have handed, you know, um, the the... Uh, financial keys of the company to over to them and they would effectively have been in control of us. Um, And, you know, what was to stop them sort of saying at some point, well, you know, um, we're not going to fund you anymore and you've got no money and how about, you know, this deal. So at the end of the day, it was something which, you know, we just couldn't entertain. uh, we're a public company, you know, we've got public company governance and we couldn't let somebody else be dictating the, the finances of the
0: company. Um so you know, we had no option, the board had no option but to, to terminate. So how much diligence did you guys do beforehand? I mean, do you did you ask them to prove how much money they had available to them? Were they having to raise capital to pay you? I mean who are they?
1: Yeah, look so <laughs> um let, let let me answer the second bit first. So they are a Singapore-based uh, oil, essentially an oil trading company um, who do a bit of coal trading as well. They were looking into you know the same as you know the thematic that we're hearing sort of almost every day. or well, we are hearing every day at the moment the transition. You know the energy transition. So they're oil traders and they're saying, well, okay. Let's pivot our business towards the energy transition. Get involved in copper, copper trading, and hence, you know, securing supply to trade. You know, get involved directly in copper mining. So that was their motivation, and that's sort of who they were. Um, in terms of diligence, look, you know, we did all the diligence that that you would normally expect us to do as a public company entering into a deal like this. So, um, and I can go into a lot of detail around that. We had. Um, Big four firms doing uh, diligence for us on various parts of the business. We um, obviously we we needed them to demonstrate that they had the financial capability to pay us and to not only pay us, um, uh, you know, the initial two and a half and seven and a half, but also, you know, that the the ability to actually um, get the valuations that were anticipated for the IPO. Pay us out of those proceeds and get the IPR away at those valuations. So, I mean, we did extensive diligence on all of that. Um, we even used, you know, some well-known third uh, third-party, you know, to one of the top probably top three globally uh, who who look at risks associated with companies uh, and transactions. And you know, look, there were some. I'm not saying it was all clear, Um, they will always find certain things that, that, uh, you know, certain risks around, you know, all counterparties, there were those, but look, we satisfied ourselves that, you know, they're a party that um, were bona fide and could deliver on what they said they could deliver on. So, we had no reason to... To expect uh, what ultimately? Well, why do you out. say and that?
0: Why do you say that, Tony? Look, like oil traders—I'll I'll be polite and say they're quite shrewd and canny. I've, I've, I, used, I, used yeah. to, I used to deal with them. Um, this was quite a segue for them on two fronts: one, oil to copper, and two, you know, pu- public markets going and, and creating or trying to create some value around the asset in a publicly listed company. Were they equipped to do that? Yeah. Look.
1: So, um, just a couple of things around that. So, firstly, you got to remember they took a nineteen point nine percent shareholding in the company, right? So,
0: how much was that? To how they, much did they spend doing that?
1: Uh, circa three million dollars. So it was, was two point eight or something like that. So, so, and you know, I mean, they they um, they had a fair bit to lose also by not following through on the deal. So. That was sort of part of the, I guess, the backstop was to, you know, have them as a shareholder and have them as a supportive shareholder, and if they weren't to follow through, they would damage their own the the value of their own holding. So look, um, that was that piece. Um, in terms of, you know, they being equipped, we had a, um, they they had a financial advisor, we had a financial advisor. Um, I've known the financial advisor for circa twenty plus years, so. Um, you know, the bona fides of those guys being able to deliver, um, you know, came through a whole um, spectrum of different uh, avenues, uh, as I said. And it was people I've known a long time. It was a big four people. It was well-known um, people in the, in the risk space. So, you know, yes, yes, you can say, well, our oil traders and oil traders, you know, always will recut deals and so on and so forth. Um, and you know that was my starting position too, right? Um, but you know, then you go and build structure around all that, which we did, um, satisfied ourselves. And look, you know, we've got to be very frank and honest about it, Matthew. You know, we we're in an environment where, you know, you got the the um, the markets tanked, uh, you know, the, everyone's running for the hills, the copper price is two dollars twenty. Um, we're a junior company in Indonesia. You know, we did all the diligence we possibly could. Um, They were an option we thought uh, was a good option at the time. Uh, So,
0: when you say that, was it an option of one, or was it an option of many? Yeah, good question. So it was it was was one of a number of options pre
1: the COVID meltdown. So, in the COVID meltdown, um, we had we had a number of parties and we had some preferred parties um a turnum you know we'd had to engage with they probably weren't our preferred party but our preferred party disappeared in the covid meltdown so you know we we essentially um, we did a deal with the turnum uh, at that time um, it wasn't like a deal of last resort but it wasn't our preferred deal.
0: right okay so so let's let's talk about the market. Obviously, you're talking about 270 market when you began those discussions, and they've put th- you know just shy of three million bucks into this thing. So when you say you know it, w- it would be very damaging for them if they didn't do the deal, I mean you're at what 46 million pounds market cap, you know 20 of that that's, that's you know way more than they paid. You know they'll be fine. So it's not that damaging to them because what we're looking at the moment is a you know possible hostile takeover situation. That's what they're trying to engineer, isn't it? No, look, um, we should we should maybe cover that because
1: um, when we terminated the agreement, um, that was an immediate reaction to us terminating the agreement, them putting forward that hostile. And I, and I can tell you that it wasn't premeditated, and I've said this before. Uh, I know it wasn't premeditated because they were silly enough to ring around some of my contacts and ask them if they actually wanted to join the board as part of the slate. So... <laughs> Of course, those people just rang me straight away and told me. So they put together, you know, quickly got together two or three people that they could and and punched that uh, punched that in um, as a reaction to us terminating that agreement. Now, you know, I don't. As I said, it was a it was a reactive thing rather and and they've never followed through posting right and that sort of tells you that it was a reactive um you know at the time it was a a reaction at the time so look um you know and i you know I, i i've kept a try to keep a dialogue open with them there's no point in you know in any situation just being at odds and butting heads with people so i've kept a dialogue open with the advisors and you
0: know understood that what their position was, um, but obviously it wasn't going to work for us. So, hang on. So, if they've if they've signed a binding agreement, there's the key word on that SPA. Yeah, yeah. They they were signing yeah. it knowing that they were obliged to come up with those ten million bucks, right? And we'll forget about yeah. all the future obligations and 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 um, deliverables, but. And I come back to the oil trader thing, is like they always feel they can renegotiate. a piece of paper which says binding doesn't necessarily right, mean binding yeah. to those guys. But generally. Yeah. As a generalization. I'm sure there's some lovely people out there who are oil traders. I haven't met them, but I'm sure there are. Uh, so w- what excuse did they give as to why they didn't why they wanted to negotiate? What did they see in their diligence that um they did not see before or know about before?
1: Yeah, look, look, really good question, and I wish I could answer the question. Um, as I've said publicly uh, in our press releases and in our news releases, and I've said on the record a number of times, I mean, they've never given me um, a good explanation of justification for not following through on the deal. So they they just haven't done that, and uh, you know, which is pretty poor. Um, but um, that tells me that. You know they either had bad advice or they had never no intention. Look, look, I don't see why you would spend the amount of time that they spent putting together an agreement. I mean, they the, the point that I didn't mention before is that along that path of, between the signing the HOA and the SPA, which was circa you know, it's, it was around nine months, they must have spent you know, I know the work that was being done, and I know who was working on it because we're engaged with it every day. They must have spent circa, you know, well over a million dollars on advisors preparing for that for that IPO in Indonesia. So, you know, when you see you see a bunch of advisors uh, and you know very reputable advisors um, working every day, and the company funding that, um, you would think that they. They uh, have every um, uh, every intention to follow through on what they said they're going to do.
0: So, looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, looking back, during the period you were going through this negotiation and you know entered into this binding SPA, the copper price was doing you a huge favour. It was you know building up you know over four bucks. Do you think that you should have been much more aggressive? Why why did you why did you sign the binding uh, SPA in whenever it was October of last year?
1: Yeah, look, um well, we started the we started the negotiation essentially back in February when the when the covid meltdown hit, right? So um things you know, things when I mean, we can look back now, right? Things, everyone at that point in time, I can tell you, I made phone calls and there was not a single person who was going to help you at that time, right? They were all running for the hills. So, you know, and, and Matthew, you know, I put my own money into the government alongside those guys. And how much, one of our other board how,
0: how much have you invested? Money uh, at that time or all together? Give me both. Yeah. So at that
1: time, I put in uh, about two hundred thousand um, dollars in February, in the middle of the market meltdown, um, and the other board member put in the same amount of money. Um, so we put about four hundred thousand in uh, right in the middle of the right in the middle of the market falling, alongside a turnum. Um and so so that was that piece. Um, and then look, I. Circa, I've I've put somewhere around two million dollars personally into the business over the last five years or so, four or five years, you know. Um, and and you know, our other board members, one of our other board members, who's you know, his 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 um, uh, you know, he's he's put substantially more uh, in as alongside me as well. So, um, look, going back to your question and just. So the copper price gradually increased. It really, if you sort of think about it, the momentum really got going this year. Um, it's really in the first three months of this year where the momentums really picked up. So we were pretty much we had, we felt the deal was a fair deal and valued you know our assets you know well. Um, and hence we were sort of prepared to follow through on it um, up to that point where, um, you know they didn't follow through on their their part, so.
0: so, how much does it cost the company in, in uh, pounds, dollars, or, 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 or euros? However, you're measuring it. Yeah. Look. Um, okay.
1: There's there's a couple of pieces to that. I, I think um, the first thing is um, during that period we spent circa um, about two million, two two and maybe a bit over two million dollars. But look. That money, um, what, I, what I would say is that, you know, the main thing is it costs you time and effort, right? Because we did we did a lot of that work. I mean, we didn't go and hire expensive advisors and do all that. I mean, James do our CFO, and myself did all the work, did all the negotiations, did most of the drafting. James did most of the drafting agreements. We had our Indonesian Legal counsel working on it. It didn't cost us a lot of money in terms of, you know, like uh, the deal itself, but it's time, right? It's the time. Um, So, you know, we spent a lot of our time over a nine-month period putting all that together. In the background, we were doing value enhancement work, which was um, metallurgical test work. Uh, Andrew Neal was running that work, doing the study work, And you know that was a pretty comprehensive piece of work, looking at you know changes to the process flow sheet. So we didn't stop it. We didn't stop the work. We actually kept that work going. You know, when you've got three million dollars in the bank and you're coming out of a meltdown, um, you've got to be pretty cautious with your money. So you know, I think um, the the key thing was really the 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 time that we spent on it. Um, James and myself um, was really probably the the opportunity. Lost, but you know, Andrew kept all the technical work moving forward, and uh, you know, we minimized the costs.
0: Okay, so let me just finish off on the tournament because I, I want this from you so, a definitive answer from you, which is you said there was no prior intent on their part. Do you genuinely believe that in terms of the way they played this out?
1: Yes, I do. I mean, I spoke to the principal very regularly right through that process. Um, and, you know, my own read on it is that, um, look, look, with every deal, Matthew, I, I've been involved in lots and lots of deals. People get really nervous at the, you know, and you you're come from a banking background, right? So so people get nervous at the point that you have to sign up and follow through. Um, and I think what's happened here is you've got a relatively young guy. He was getting into something new. He had advisors around him who started telling him, you know, you're doing, you're, being, you're doing crazy stuff and so on and so forth. And I think he just uh, basically became, you know, a deer in a spotlight uh, and lost his nerve. Um, and, you know, that's my read on it. I certainly don't, I, I certainly believe the intention was there um, to get the deal done and to get the, the, the business listed on the, on the IDX and, and follow through. There was nothing you know to suggest that that wasn't the case um, until we got you know right to the end.
0: Do you know if they had ten million bucks in their account minimum when you oh, they that had deal? they they had they had the
1: money no no problems with that they they actually they actually did another transaction uh, just after you know after the deal fell over that um, they had the money we we asked for evidence they had the money we've seen it
0: okay, fair enough. Let's 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 talk about a couple of things then. Um, you raised some money in February, so you've gone to the market. Um, they've listened to your story, they've believed you, and they've ponied up with ten million pounds. So that's um, some level of endorsement there. So where did you get the money, and what did you tell them?
1: Yeah. So um, firstly, I should say that um, we uh, Optiva Securities led the rise, um, and Christian Dennis has been a great supporter of ours, you know, over the journey for the past five or six years. I think importantly, we have a long history with Christian. His clients made a lot of money uh, out of a previous business that uh, I was involved in building, uh, which was Oxyana Limited. And so Christian, Christian's basically, you know, been the lead supporter uh, over the past five or six years. So um, he's a he's a believer in the people, and he's a believer in the in the story. Um, what changed, of course, we've already talked about the macro environment. So we've got four dollar copper, the energy transition, and everyone all of a sudden, you know, these things that you know I've been sort of rabbiting on about for five years, uh, and no one wanted to listen. Um, all of a sudden, becoming reality. So you know, we had we had. A, Sorry, I'm just, my light's coming out of here. Um, We had uh, 20, you know, around about 20, what I would call sort of high net worth and institutional type meetings. And I can honestly tell you that's more than we've had with that type of investor combined for the last five years. So um, yeah, the timing was good. The price was good. People were looking for exposure. and, you know, we had a good story because our story is very clear. Um, we're in a bit of a unique situation in that we've actually got a project uh, in a Copper bull market that's, you know, one one year away from actually being ready to build. And there's not too many junior companies that are in that situation, as well as having you know, a large inventory of Copper in the ground and sitting behind it. So it was that sort of thematic of, um, you know, having a project, it was almost ready to go in this cycle. Um, you know, having a large inventory and then having a team of people that actually have a track record of being able to execute and, and build a project and operate the project. So I think those three things at the right time, um, you know, got some tailwinds behind the rows and enable us to get it on.
0: Okay, so we should probably talk about the project. That'd be nice. (laughs) So just just give us the highlights because you've done the feasibility, you know. So give us some of the headline numbers that we should be uh, looking at. We get an idea of the scale of this because what I want to talk about is doing business in Indonesia.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. A couple of things I just wanted to so it's twenty five thousand tons a year. Um, It's a leach copper leach project. Um, We it it has an MPV at three dollars twenty five copper. And based on the feasibility in 2019, it's got 125 million NPV and a 19% IRR. Uh, and it costs 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 uh, C1 costs of $1.65 a pound and uh, about $1.76 a pound, I think, for all in sustaining costs. Um, capital about 230 million, um, which is pretty low, a very low capital intensity for, for a 25,000 tonne project. I think the important thing, uh, Matthew, is that we've we've been very capital constrained over the past five years. Well, we've talked about that sort of the macro environment. So, you know, every dollar we've had gone into um, the current uh, feasibility and the drill out um, of the projects. Um, just to give you an idea of some leverage, I mean, we've punched the numbers. You know, we've punched some proper prices into our feasibility study. Just the parameters that we've got from nineteen. And, you know, at $3.75 copper, the MPV jumps to $2, twenty million and a 26% IRR, and at $4, it's $280 million and a 30% IRR. So, you know, a lot of leverage there to, you know, turning the increase in, in copper price. Um, uh, we are, uh, we do have a lot of other opportunities because we've been constrained to actually can add value. And there's some things that, I, that we want to do to the project to make, Know, the debt financing side uh, a lot sort of um, uh, better than it probably is at the moment in terms of the debt capacity that we could raise. Like what? So um, two things, really. So at the moment, the production profile ramps up to 25,000 tonnes in year two. It stays at 25,000 tonnes for four years, and then it starts to drop away. Uh, that generates at $3.25, around $100 million of free cash flow a year. What we want to do, what we need to do is fill up that back end, because, you know, you've been a banker and, you know, bankers want to see tail, right? They want to see tail on a project, want to make sure they're going to get their money back. So what we need to do is maintain that production at 25,000 tonnes right out for an eight year life um, and, you know, potentially 10 year life. So how how are we going to do that? Um, How are we going to do that? We're going to do that two ways. One is, We are making some changes to the process flow sheet, which will recover about 70% more copper. So we get a lot more copper units for the amount of, you know, it's a 40% increase. So we get a lot more copper units um, for the the same amount of dirt processed. And then we've got uh, some drilling to do on our near mine targets. So between those 2 things, we should be able to Clearly demonstrate to the financiers that we've got, you know, an eight to ten year life at the full twenty five thousand tons and a full, you know, hundred million plus free cash flow a year, which is a readily financeable project and should be able to get us, you know, circa, you know, at, at, you know, up to probably sixty percent debt finance. So um, there's a lot of advantages in doing the work that we're we're currently doing to improve the.
0: The project they've been right? So, so sixty forty split. Is that, is that because it's a re- relatively small project in the scheme of you know copper projects, or is it the Indonesia factor, or just what you think you can get based on what you know today? Because you're talking about being a year away from final investment decision. So, what have you got to do between now and then to maybe improve that ratio? Because you know that's a big chunk of equity, a big chunk of dilution.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it it, it it is a large chunk of equity. So, um, and you know, we can talk about the, the equity piece separately. But from the from the debt piece, uh, all of those things that I just said, you know, are going to have a material impact on the way you know the, the debt financiers look at this project. So, if you've got a long tail and you've got good strong cash flows, then you know you've got the opportunity to um, you know get a better deal in terms of you know the debt equity ratio. So. Um, you know that's why this, it's so important to actually get this piece of work done. Um, you know, I mean, the, in the the current economics, as I've just outlined, you know, they they're pretty robust, 125 million and 19% IRR. But at those rates, you're probably 50 50 debt equity. Um, and I think you know that's where uh, investors maybe don't fully understand the impacts of you know doing the work that we're doing now. where actually it will drive that you have to. Ultimately, um, you know, come up with less equity relative to to the debt. Uh, so, uh, important important work that that, that that's underway, and um, you know, we've 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 got that sort of started.
0: Okay, so um, equity debt, quite conventional. What are what other things are you looking at? This is a really positive EV environment. Nickel projects, lithium projects, copper but it seems to be getting funded in all sorts of funky ways. So, what else are you exploring? Or will you explore? Yeah, look,
1: uh, yeah, um, you, you touched on Indonesia, so you know we're a hundred percent of this project at the moment. Um, Indonesia, it, it was always, as I said, it's always been our intention. We got to the feasibility study to introduce a partner, and you know we would like to, you know, we are well. When I say we, we we're we're talking to you know a number of groups, and we've spoken to a number of groups previously. Um, you know, to come in as a development partner in the project, which would solve for the equity piece. And we can do that in one of two ways. We can do that directly with the partner, or we can do that through, and we, we continue to explore an IDX listing at the local project, at the local company level. So that would gives you two things well, it's, it solves for a large piece of the equity, and it also gives you the Indonesian ownership that you need to satisfy uh, the requirements. So, um, there's those two things, and then you know there's um, you know there's equipment leasing, there's equipment finance, there's um, you know off takes, um, and then you know you've got conventional um, finance sources. So look, we're exploring all of those things. Um, the key thing is to get the project um, you know to a point where it's wrapped up in a bow. It looks extremely attractive. Uh, and then we can get the best financing terms we can. Um, you know, you, you know what it's like. I mean, you turn up, you you turn up with a deposit. It's like buying a house and turning up with no deposit, right? You're not going to get good terms. So we need to get it in the best shape we can. Um, cognizant, you know, the market's strong, and and you know um, the headwinds are there. Um, sorry, the tailwinds are there. Um, but um, you know we need to move as fast as we possibly can, uh, and that's what we're doing. So um, and, you know, and you, you'll see. Just
0: ten million pounds allowing you to do that. Get this bow wrapped around it uh, so it looks attractive.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, and that's why that's why we took the extra money uh, when it was available, um, because it actually gets us to the point where we should be uh, have project financing in place and being construction ready. So. If we had, a, we originally went out for um, circa five. Um, that wouldn't have got us all the way through. Uh, but by taking the ten, it will get us all the way through to that sort of key decision point. So, um, and you know, it's like everything, Matthew. When you've actually got you know ten million pounds in the bank, um, you cannot talk to people from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness, and it's it just makes such a big difference.
0: Okay, and so just remind me, what are those things that you're going to deliver? Because I think Indonesia, when we've done business and tried to do business there, permits, licenses, local in- interested parties—you know, these are these are big bumps along the road. I mean, where are you with everything locally?
1: Yeah. So look, look, we've we've made—you know—we're in good shape. Is is the answer? Um, So look, I mean, there's a number of parts to it, as you said. So um, number one is, you know, what's your relationships like with the government and the government's multiple levels. So we've got very strong relationships uh, from the district level through the provincial level and at the central government level. And, you know, everyone will say that. They always say that. But we, you know, one of the things about Indonesia and, you know, most Asian countries is it's about your credibility. And we've been operating there for a long time people know us well we work with indonesian companies um, uh, you know at various times uh, on other projects so uh, you know we know all the key players the government you know we've got credibility with the with the 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 government um you know business uh as i said we've dealt with a lot of the big companies we have relationships with a lot of big companies so we've got that structure around us where um People people know us well, and um, we don't get interference um, is the answer. Um, and you know, then you've got your you know your community. And you know, one of the things I've always said about the BKM project is that it's in the best shape of almost any project I've ever been involved with. And that's you know Mansoor Geiger, who's you know one of our key guys. Um, you know, he's he's been with the project for over thirty years, and he's the one who's developed. Uh, you know the, the the community, all the community development programs, and built the, built support for the project at those levels. So, so look, um, and then you know, then you you got your permitting, as you say. But if you got your if you got your your strengths, if you've sort of got your strengths in all those key areas. And obviously, a issue
0: you with be No, I, I get that. I, I hear you, and you're right. Everyone does say that when they come on the show, and it, and it kind of, in, in, in a way, it kind of whitewashes everything. I'm interested in what have you got left to do on that front? How many? Because you know, forestry yep. licences. There's all sorts of permits yep. and licences required to actually, you know, get into the process where you can actually build and then actually mine and produce. Right. So, you know, what is what's that road look like ahead of us?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, so, look, in terms of all the key, the key permits for essentially uh, the development, we have all the sub permits that we need, and we've got the key forestry permit, which is called the Pinge and Puckeye. Um, that is the key that we need to get. We're basically a long way down the track with that, uh, and we would expect to have that this year. As part of the while we're getting the, the project sort of wrapped up in a bow and the project financing done, we actually uh, at the same time need to you know get the permitting in place because the banks are not going to give you the money to build a project without a permit. So uh, we're well advanced on that, and you know we are uh, getting towards the final stages of getting that permit. And I, I've said that you know previously. The reason that we feel confident around that is because the government is calculating bonds that we need to put down to actually, which is our environmental reclamation bond that we need to put up to to actually receive that permit. So, you know, we've already been in, in discussions with the government around the reclamation bond and the deposit of the reclamation bond. So um, you know that's that tells us that we're sort of getting near with that, and then then once you have that, that's key. And then once you have that, there's a there's a permit to construct, um, and you know, like every mining project uh, globally, Matthew, um, you need you you need permits every year for for everything, you know, explosives and you know, transport, and a whole range of different things. But in terms of actually getting the project started, are the key ones.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, and with regards to these strategic partners that you're looking for the, to deal with the equity, have you had conversations? When will you start having conversations? And what could the, What does that do in terms of your numbers? What do you want to try and achieve? Because you know, right now you've, at, you've you've given me the kind of base case, and you're yeah. going to optimize a bunch of stuff. If you bring in a partner to deal with the equity, what's it, what's it going to do for your company? What's it going to do for your shareholders? Yeah, look, as a large shareholder myself,
1: um, the primary driver for us is, is to um, get the best value outcome we can for shareholders. Meaning, and, you know, what does, what does that, that mean? Look? Go on, tell me. Yeah, yeah what, 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 what does it look like? Right, that's, 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 that's exactly right. So, um, there's two, I guess there's two streams, if you like. We have, uh, and you asked, are we in discussions with people?
0: We're in discussions with people all the time. Oh, stop it! <laughs> no, are you in meaningful, real discussions which you think you can get over the line? I know everyone's in discussions with everyone all the time, but what, yeah. what are you actually yeah. doing? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we have two. We we have two parties that we're in. Um, you know that were that are serious, um, and they both come from different angles. One is, you know, one is the angle they're coming from is is uh acquiring a majority and we would be a minority and opera and, and operator um and the other is actually you know a pure uh partnership whereby you, you they come in as a strategic development and financing partner where we've got the skills to actually be the the builder and operator of the assets so two, two 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 different. prefer act-
0: what do you prefer um Come on, you've been out this a long to time.
1: You must be exhausted. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah, can, no, no. It comes down to value at the end of the day. You know, I mean, mining projects take a long time, right? So, uh, and you know, we're, I mean, the life cycle of any development is circa you know, seven to ten years. So we've been out of five years. Um, we're not about to give up right when you know the key value driver comes into play, where copper prices are. So we need to, we need to get. You know, good value. So you know, if there's an acquisition um, uh, price that makes sense for shareholders, given the risks that are involved in, you know, developing and operating. Then we you know we'd consider it seriously. Um, and if that value equation doesn't make sense, we're you know we're very comfortable to take it through in partnership with the with the other group, and you know, get the big value up that comes from developing and then being a you know cash flow generating business. Um, and capturing sort of all that MPV plus, um, so you know they're the two two options available to us, and we'll see where they where we get to. But um, you know, in the meantime, we're pushing on as a developer of the project.
0: I think one of them was trying to call you when you were answering that question. <laughs> we heard the phone ring. they they're, they're, they're always trying to call me. <laughs> um, well, look, like Tony. Um, look, I appreciate you coming on and sharing that story, and also just dealing with and answering the questions straight and head on with regards to Eternum. You know, and what happened there, what has been happening there. Um, do you think, with your ongoing discussions with their financial advisors, there's any kind of comeback, or is that a done deal now? They're they're long gone.
1: Uh, look, based on all the information that we've got now. Um, you know, I think a turnips, uh, they're done and uh, they, you know, they're still a 15% shareholder, we've got to remember. Um, but one of the things that we're, you know, working on with the people that are interested in, uh, you know, that we're talking with is actually, you know, what happens with that block of shares. So we've actually had, in fact, it was quite interesting when we, when we did the capital raising, a number of the parties that were, that, Came into that capital raising, also um, expressed an interest in the block trade. If that if those if if that um, block became available, or part of that block trade, if it became available, so I think we're, we we'll be in a good position to to um, place that block, um, and you know we it will be it'll form part of the part of the 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 um, the, the, the solution in terms of the the partnering. Okay, so, well that's good because I was okay. going to
0: ask you about that potential overhang. But you think that the relationships are yeah. good enough with Ethereum to do a, a block transfer or a block purchase um, with your new shareholders or um, or similar? Yes. Yeah. Look, we're, okay. we're, we've already had those. We've already had that discussion, and uh,
1: you know, a, a, a block a block trade at the appropriate time. With the appropriate party uh, would make sense for everybody. So that's what we're working to.
0: Okay, great. Tony, appreciate your time today. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Obviously, you've got a few things to deliver over the next 12 months. Uh, I wish you well. Um, But uh, yeah, stay in touch.
1: Appreciate the time. Thanks, Pat. Just let me leave you with a a couple of thoughts. Um, You know, Asia Met. is in a unique position, as, as I mentioned through the course. You know, we're, we're a junior company. We've got uh, we're one year away from development of a Copper project, uh, right on the doorstep of the main consumer market. We've got a big inventory and growth profile behind us. We've got a team that's sort of it execution, uh, and you know we're well advanced in putting the package together to enable the, this this uh, near term development uh, and value. Uh, 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 extraction well should build value extraction but um, the value equation to unfold um, over the next 12 months or so so uh, exciting times uh and you know we're really looking forward to it and appreciate you giving us the opportunity to to uh, discuss it today thank you
0: thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to cruxcast or our website Cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel crux investor.